Well, hello, my friends. How is everyone this fine Tuesday, the 1st of May? Springtime feeling here in Pittsburgh. Everyone's out. It's nice. About 80 degrees. Gotta love it. In a good mood. How's everyone to doing this wonderful day? This is the Locked On NFL Podcast. I am Matt Williamson at Williamson NFL. Yes, at Williamson NFL. At WilliamsonFootball.com. My new website. Um... As we did yesterday with the NFC West, we are going to review the NFC South draft starting with Atlanta. Um, They only had six picks and shocked some people with the 26th selection overall by taking Calvin Ridley. Um, Most of us assumed that this would be a defensive lineman, and certainly that was the biggest hole on the roster. A lot of people assumed it would be Taven Bryan when he was still there. Not the direction they went, though. I think they just couldn't pass up Ridley, and that was a quiet need. They did get seen it. I'm not sure if I say his name right. The South Florida defensive tackle in the third round with the 90th pick, and he is a nose tackle type. He is a Poe replacement, but I do think Atlanta should very much keep their ears open for another available rotational starting defensive lineman type. And guys, I say this every year, but just because the draft is done doesn't mean that your favorite team is complete. You know, like, I know I refer to the Steelers a lot, but I've been doing so much Steelers stuff that last year they picked up Joe Hayden and Vance McDonald. You know, like, every team does something like that. Then there's a handful of still really good free agents out there. C.J. Anderson's out there, Navarro Bowman. You know, there's a lot of names they're going to be starters next year. So your team is not yet complete, and I would think they'll still be in the market for defensive line help. Although Sanat is a nice pickup as a nose tackle type. Back to Ridley. I look at this as insurance. Um, besides Sanu and Jones, all the other receivers on the Atlanta roster have combined for 64 catches in their career. So really there's two guys here. And he hate to say it, but Jones and Sanu are no longer young. You know, you keep a strength a strength. Julio is a superstar. But how many times have we heard him battling foot injuries? And he plays through it more than I think all of us realize. But I think he's got a chronic foot issue of some sort. And probably always will. Ridley, from the same school, is a much different player. And I foresee them going Ridley on the outside, Sanu in the slot, Julio on the opposite side of Ridley which then gives Ridley a lot of one-on-one matchups. And the people that love him, and there are a lot of them out there, say, think Marvin Harrison. You know, not the most physical guy, explosive, very crisp route runner, maybe the best route runner in this draft. And the people that don't, and I lean a little more this way, but it's not like, oh, you don't like this guy. Um, I think he can get bullied a little bit. But with Jones and Sanu in the equation, I think Ridley... We'll see a lot of one-on-one matchups that he'll exploit. And I I am curious to see how well he deals with press coverage at this level. But um, still a high-quality pick at 26. I also think Atlanta needs to get back to throwing to their their running backs a lot more. And I'm going to skip here around. But that brings me to Ito Smith in the fourth round. He's a smaller guy. But Tevin Coleman is a free agent after this year. And he's going to be expensive. I mean, I would think he'll make at least what Crowell made, maybe what McKinnon made. 
And you can't have everything, so I think you prepare for that day. Good player that probably only is around one more year. Smith is a high-quality receiver that can kind of help on special teams, be your third guy in the meantime. I think that's preparing for the future. And hopefully it also tells us that Sark is going to go back to what Shanahan did so well with the backs being more involved and productive as receivers, as we saw two years ago. So I skipped their second round pick, Isaiah Oliver. And just knowing how drafts went, I assume that they had a very high grade on him. I mean, he is the 58th pick in the draft, but he has that Jalen Collins Seahawks look that they want from their corners. I bet, I mean, this is a total hunch, but I bet that they went into this draft going, we really like our corners, but we're still going to grade them, of course. (laughs) It doesn't mean, you know, the whole scouting staff just doesn't scout corners. And they probably, again, just a hunch, I bet he was their 35th to 45th best player overall. And at 58, when you're looking at the board versus vertically and horizontally, I bet he's standing alone. And they're probably saying, wow, we took Ridley in the first round. We'll get our D tackle in the second. But, dude, Oliver's sitting there. You know, we can't pass up the way best player on the board. So I think that's what they did. And that's somebody that they probably loved. Um, the last two picks are Russell Gage, a wide receiver from LSU, and a safety, uh, a Lukum from Yale. Um, they're late. They're six-rounders. Who, who knows what you'll see out of them. Carolina. Interesting draft. I like the DJ Moore pick a lot. Funchess is a free agent after this year. I'm glad they got away from the big lumbering dudes that don't get separation. I think Moore... Is a tough guy. He can align the slot. He can align outside. He's also a very good route runner. He's great after the catch. Highly, highly productive. He had four quarterbacks thrown to him at Maryland last year, and I think he's had like seven or eight or even maybe even nine through his Maryland career. Needless to say, terrible quarterback play, but this guy still got separation week after week after week. And I don't know that there's a Carolina receiver outside of McCaffrey. Who does that? You know, who's your good separators out of this group? And Moore has some toughness, and I've heard some Steve Smith comparisons that way. Plays bigger, plays nasty. I like it. Um, They also took Ian Thomas, another receiver, in the fourth round. He's going to be a little bit of a project. They've they've extended Olsen. He'll learn from Olsen, kind of a move tight end, but he's a good athlete. That could pay off down the road. Uh, two secondary guys were their day two picks. Dante Jackson from LSU and Rashad Golden from Tennessee. And these are interesting to me. Uh, you know, this is predominantly a heavy zone team. Last year, Wilkes blitzed a lot, played a lot more zone. A lot of us have kind of just assumed Wilkes is now in Arizona that we think the new guy's going to be, go back to the old way. You know, a lot of zone, a lot of four-man rush. But Jackson is much more of a man coverage player. He's small. He's crazy fast. Probably at his best in the slot because of his size. But you got to be a pretty physical dude to man the slot. You know, so do they look at him as an outside guy? I don't think he's comfortable in zone. So maybe that's telling us that they are going to play more man. Galden's a very good player, but I'm not exactly sure where he fits in either because he really couldn't be any more different than Jackson. Like, he's listed when they draft him as a DB. I think he's 
I don't know that he has the speed to be an outside corner. I think he's best as a bigger slot corner that maybe, you know, goes up against the Marquise Colstons of the world or the Jimmy Grahams. Or maybe he's a deep safety, especially if they're going to be who they used to be with a lot of cover two, too high shell. And they have needs all those places. So I don't know exactly how these two fit in, but I like both players. And really, they couldn't be any more different in terms of defensive backs. Uh, they did get a defensive end with some upside. Marquise Haynes from Old Miss, fourth round pick. Uh, Jermaine Carter is going to be a depth linebacker. He's kind of a pounder. And their seventh rounders, Andre Smith, a linebacker, and Miami defensive tackle, Kendrick Norton. All right, two more teams to go to complete the South. Not much to say about the Saints. I I think I told you guys that when I did my Saint, State of the Saints address for my website, I started to really become infatuated with this team. And at some point, probably after I go through the whole league, I'm going to do a post-draft power ranks. And needless to say, the Saints are going to be very high. I mean, like, I'm thinking about putting them one high. I mean, like, I think they're loaded. And going into this draft, I very much believed that there was two spots they needed. You know, if you could add two guys, if you, it would have been a defensive end that can rush the passer, opposite Jordan, and a tight end. So... Go, they go all in and get Marcus Davenport with the 14th pick, and it costs them next year's first as well as this year's first. It's a lot. You know, I mean, to trade up that much is usually for Mahomes. You know, it's usually for a quarterback. And many people, when the trade came across, said, oh, they're going to get Lamar Jackson. Well, no. I mean, they are all in. And like I said, I mean, their roster and their defense in particular is a lot better than I think a lot of you realize. And I think he completes the defense. It's a big price to pay. And I also think that they look at it and say, we are damn good. And that first rounder next year is going to be late, maybe 32 late. And Red Rushers weren't available in this draft. I mean, if you look, I mean, I thought Landry would go much higher. He, he went in the second round. So it had to be this guy because they weren't trading all the way up to get Chubb. I just have questions about him. I mean, you play at Texas San Antonio, and you only had six and a half sacks last year. I mean, I don't care if they triple you every, every play. I mean, if you're a first-round 14th overall stud, you got to be a sack master at Texas San Antonio. And you watch him. I do think he plays a little high. I think he's a little bit raw. And the Senior Bowl, he came and looked overwhelmed against difficult competition, you know. But Thursday, Friday, Thursday, game, he got better. He got better. He made plays in the game. There's obviously a lot to work with here. And the thinking is obvious. You know, we're all in. We feel like we're, quote, one player away. We'll live with Ben Watson as our tight end. We got some other guys to throw to. We're going to run the ball a lot. And this guy is going to be a stud for years. We'll see. It's risky because I don't love the player, too. Um, then they don't pick again until 91. That's Traquan Smith, an intriguing big receiver. I think he could probably a year from now you know, get Coleman out of the picture, maybe be their Colston type. Interesting. 
Rick Leonard is a developmental tackle. I never really have a problem going that route. Zach Streif did retire. The line looks like it's in good shape, but you keep wanting to bring in reinforcements. And if you wait until the late rounds, you're not going to get crap, especially a tackle. Um, Natrell Jamerson from Wisconsin, productive, good player. You know, we're talking pretty well down the line here, though. I mean, this is really a one-player draft. I mean, two. Smith's a good, good prospect. Cameron Moore's a defensive back from Boston College as well. So, And Boston Scott is a little intriguing returner, scat back type. Maybe if Ingram's not around a year or two from now, he, he moves up the list. And then Will Clapp, whose name is a sentence, is a LSU center. Again, reinforce the defensive backfield, reinforce the offensive line, positions that are hard to find late in the draft. Maybe a hit on one of them. Now the Bucks. First of all, you got to realize that they sent the 69th pick to the Giants for Jason Pierre-Paul. So part of their draft is adding Pierre-Paul. But they didn't stop there, and they moved back from 10, or they moved back from what, to 212 from 7. And at 7, I thought they might take Derwin James. And then at 12, they still have Derwin James on the board. They don't go that direction, and instead they go with Vita Vea who I think is a great prospect. I think he is a pocket pusher. He's a phenomenal athlete. He's a tremendous compliment to McCoy, who's getting up in age. And I think Tampa looks at Philly and says, we're a four-man front, but we want eight or nine guys that can play and rotate in of all shapes and sizes. And they didn't have the Vea guy, you know, and now the Mitch Unrines of the world are more rotational. You should always be fresh, and Vinny Curry kicks inside, and Pierre Paul. I mean, they also get uh, Spence back, who I have high hopes for. So I got to think this front seven is going to be now really good because their linebackers are active and good players. Alexander's a good player. David is a great player. So I think the front seven is totally complete. The secondary, though, was a problem. I mean, they haven't done much in the secondary going into the draft. This was the worst pass defense in the league, was the worst pass rush in the league, and terrible coverage. But with the 53rd and 63rd pick, they added MJ Stewart, who's a, a slot corner I like a lot, and Carlton Davis, who is a big corner that I like quite a bit. And if you notice their corners going into this, small fellows, you know, Grimes, Hargraves, they need dudes with size. You know, who's going to guard Julio? I'm not saying Carlton Davis is going to lock down Julio, but you do need a big physical corner. So I thought these were, you know, the Stewart and Davis pick. It's 53 and 63. I thought were excellent ones, and I was shocked that they both lasted that long. Uh, Jordan Whitehead in the fourth round is a dude from Pitt that I've seen quite a bit. He's sort of a Tyron Matthew type. I mean, I'm not saying he's that good, but he's a good athlete. He's undersized, very feisty, slot safety not sure where you put him, but going to be a contributor, certainly on special teams. Absolutely worth the fourth-round pick. So, I mean, you think about this. One, two, three, four, five, six. They had six picks in the top, in the first two days from 117 or better, including three seconds. And three of them were on secondary guys, you know. So, they realized where their problems were. They just apparently love Vita Vea. And I understand that. I mean, he's freaky. Ronald Jones at 38, I have mixed feelings about. 
I didn't love him during the process. You know, a smaller guy like that, everyone assumed he's Jamal Charles is the, is the comparison you get. No, I mean, Charles is much better and faster and better receiver. They didn't throw the ball to Jones a lot, but he had a lot of drops. So I kind of have an incomplete grade on his him as a receiver. And to me, that's the make-or-break thing here, though. I mean, if you're a smaller guy and you're not much of a receiver, then you're not worth an early second to me. But he is a talented runner, very productive. This offense is pretty darn loaded. So I think he could have a very good year. Um, I would wonder if they're still in the market to add another running back somewhere along the lines. I didn't love their offensive line, but I think it's good enough. Uh, Donovan Smith's the one I worry about, but he's... Not getting replaced at, at left tackle. He's a free agent after the year. The only guy they drafted there was Alex Kappa. I think he's a little overwhelmed, to be honest. But he's he has some nastiness. Small school guy. But don't go thinking he's the next Ali Marpet. I thought this was a little early for him. But he'll probably be a guard. Maybe he contributes and fights with Sweezy for a spot. But... I'm not sure he's a great prospect. Sound like him better than I do, to be very honest with you. Another dude I'm, I'm pretty familiar with because he grew up around around here is Justin Watson from Penn, a wide receiver. Um, of course, it was a Penn, but he put up really good combine numbers. He's a very good athlete with size. Highly, highly productive. I mean, he's going to be buried there. But I thought this was a good prospect. I mean, I think he's worth every bit of the 144th pick overall. And I bet he ends up having a good career when he finally gets a chance. And then Jake Cece, or Chi-Chi, I always say his name wrong too. Some of these pronunciations I'm not great with yet. He's a Wisconsin linebacker at 202. And again, they don't really need linebacker help. But this is a guy that, if he can stay healthy, is probably a starting caliber guy. Or at least you'd project that way. Obviously, he has problems staying healthy. And again, you got to remember Pierre Paul is part of this equation. So... That's a pretty damn good haul for Tampa Bay. Um, Of these four draft classes, they're certainly the winner, in my opinion. And, you know, trading down sure is nice picking up second-round picks. All right, that's a wrap. If you want to find out more about these draft classes, check out the Locked On Panthers, Locked On Falcons, Locked On Saints, Locked On Bucks. Um, And we will reconvene tomorrow to talk NFC North in a very similar manner. See you.